0: How are we doing there? Ah, there we go, we made it. I don't know if it's the pack or me falling apart. It's the pack, it's gotta be. We, uh, we, we put on a, a new unit up there called a rack. Had some issues yesterday with the microphone, with Steve's microphone, running kind of, kind of loud, hot. And uh, so today we tried the other microphone, I'm trying it on. And uh, we got a pretty good read on it, didn't we not? So it's, it's working good. Hopefully it'll, it'll help the Internet out. They were getting a lot of ringing. I'm getting a little bit of ringing right now, but that's, that's how sensitive my ears are. Yeah, right. So we have Steve's gone. He's been gone for a couple of days. He, he took a couple of well-needed rest days. You know, and went to go visit some family. Um, don't know if he's back in town yet. Got a kudos from him this morning. And he told me to give you guys heaven. (laughs) And that's that's what we're going to do. I was wondering how many would catch it. I saw the smiles after me. This is cool. We know what what we're doing. This morning, I would like to give you a partial introduction into the book of Psalms. I know this is probably the book that you, you read most every day. You know, you're always in it day and night. And just a little word on the book book of Proverbs. But before before we do that, would you stand with me as as we pray, as we thank God for this morning. Uh, God has taken everything that we could possibly think of to bring us to this moment here today. He brought the music. He brought those that are working up in the balcony, doing the Internet even let Steve take a couple of days off. He moves the world for us to get us to where we're supposed to be at every particular moment of our lives. This I believe. My God is sovereign. He does these things. So I don't take take those moments, quote, good or bad, for granted. God is in full control. He knows what he's doing in my life and yours. So Father, we thank you for this morning for the simple things that sometimes we take for granted. The sun coming up this morning... Uh, the air a little brisk, but we knew it was going to get warm. Even going through those simple, simple things in the morning, deciding if I'm going to wear a sweater. You know, if I'm going to wear something heavier in case it gets colder. The anticipation of lunch today, and you too provided that. The anticipation of being with the saints again this morning. I thank you for that. And I would ask, Lord, that our hearts would be prepared. Our minds would be opened. And that, Holy Spirit, that you would set the boundaries. And we thank you for all that you're about to give us. We do this in Christ's name. Amen. Please have a seat. So let me ask you a question. Don't raise your hands. How many here read a psalm this morning? Okay. How many do that on a daily basis? You know, the psalms is a book... And there happened to be about 150, 150 psalms in, in our book of Psalms, which in about five months, if you read one a day, you'd get through the book. So you could get through it you know, twice a year without any hassle. The book of Proverbs, there's my friend again, the book of Proverbs has 30 proverbs in there. You could go through the book of Proverbs every single month of the year for the rest of your life. Right? When I was a young believer, and many times I still think myself as a young believer. I had a mentor, and he sat down with me. He had a desk about this long, and this is how he would mentor me. He made the appointment. I would come into his home, and he had two chairs. He sat behind the best one, and he had another riggedy fold-up that he, he put on the other side. And he would begin to ask me what I knew about what I knew concerning God. That was his beginning. He wanted to know where I was so that he would know where I, I could go and what he could, he could teach me. He made sure I, I, I pushed out all that mush that, that I thought was really, really good teaching. And he began to make all kinds of really cool corrections in, in what I was learning so that how I would live it would show up as I was learning. But one of the things that he, he, he drilled into me, he says that if you want to learn and, and know how to praise God and how to worship him and receive peace, he says, read the book of Psalms. Read a psalm every day, every morning. If you want to learn how to, how to interact with your fellow man, good or bad, read the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. Not too long after that, I found a small booklet uh, put out by the Navigators. I'm not so sure that it's still in print. But Dawson Trotter put that little booklet together. And his main focus, and I think the title was Meditation, and then underneath it was The Lost Art of Christian Meditation. And one of the things that, that Dawson talked about there was how important it is for us to get into God's word, but especially the psalms, a psalm in the morning to, to bring us into prayer and worship before God, and a proverb in the evening as we recall our day and, and how effective or ineffective we were with our fellow man. And, and the journey for me began a psalm in the morning and a proverb in the evening. Before I went to bed, and it, it was God's word when I woke up in the morning, and it was God's word when I went to bed at night. So that, as the scripture says, even while you sleep, and, and I'll paraphrase this, God teaches you. God, God reproves you. God rebukes you. God encourages you. He does all these things even while you sleep. That's his promise for us. Now, if, if you really want to get into a journey, you can go through the book of Psalms every month. You can do five psalms in the morning. You take Psalm 1, add 30 days to it, go to Psalm 31, add 30 to that, go to Psalm 61, 91, and just carry it on. And you can do five psalms every single month. You could go through the book of Psalms. And then you do your proverb in the evening. Do it for a month, I encourage you. And then talk to me after that month is done. God will will revolutionize your walk. He will bring you into a radical Christian walk, which is what he wants from us. Now, having said that, there's there's value for us as Christians. As we look at Romans 15, 4, there are some of these scriptures you can turn to them. You have a Bible in your pew. If not, I'm sure we'll have them up on the screen. There's a lot to go through. My my lesson today was broken into, into part one and part two. It was a good thing, but you're going to get both parts. I don't know when I'll have, have that time to come up here again before you. So we'll go, we'll go fast, but we'll hit the important parts the hardest. In, uh, in Romans 15, 4, and this is better for me. Paul wrote that for whatever things were written, before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and encouragement of the scriptures, we might find and when it speaks of the scriptures, you know, it wasn't, Paul wasn't speaking of 1st and 2nd Timothy, he wasn't speaking of Ephesians, he wasn't speaking of, you know, of Titus. He was, he was speaking of the Old Testament scriptures. Everything in the New Testament is the uncovering of the Old. We, you know, probably 90% or more of what you read in the New Testament, believe it or not, goes back to the Old Testament. Now. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and I'm going to give you all 13 verses in this particular scripture because I think it's important that you hear it. So Paul wrote, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and they all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies, were, their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted after, and do not become idolaters as some of them became. And it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink, and then they rose up to play. Nor let, us commit, nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages to come. Let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make way for you to escape and be able to bear up under it. In 1 uh, Corinthians he said, all these things, again, happened to them as examples for you and I. They were written for our admonition, because, as he says, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. We know that Paul talked about talked about that more than once. We are in these last days. The end of the ages for us is at hand. So we who believe ought to act like we believe. Paul reminded Timothy of the importance of the Old Testament. He says to Timothy, But you, continue in the things that you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for... And this is in 2 Timothy 3.16. How many of you have memorized that, that particular verse of Scripture? Some of you have. I used to. I used to have it in my bank. It, it, it came a couple of years after that. It left and it came back again. But let me share some, some quick things with you. In, in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, this is what Paul has to say for us. He says that all scripture is inspired of God and it's profitable for doctrine. And that word doctrine means for teaching and divine, receiving teaching and divine instruction, right? For reproof, to rebuke the wrong behavior or the right, or the wrong belief of a believer. For correction, for restoring something to its proper condition, or its, its right location. For instruction in righteousness, and that's training in good behavior. That the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that means that we are able to meet the demands of a godly and righteous live, or life. The books of the Old Testament, especially with Psalms, the reasons that we need to, uh, to study these psalms. Number one, this is where we're going to go to find peace, and this is where we're going to go to find how to praise God and how to pray. So, in Ephesians 5, we are told to be careful how we walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of our time, because the days are evil. I don't know if you wake up in the morning and remember that admonition. I wake up this morning and the remembrance that today, the day is evil. And there are things for you and I as believers to do. He says, um, so then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even to the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. In, in uh, Colossians 3, 16 and 17, he said, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to God, whatever you do in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. In James 5.13, he says, Is any one of you you suffering? Let him pray. Is any one of you cheerful? Let him sing psalms. As you can see, the psalms are useful for, for singing praises to God. They're useful for teaching and confirming that Jesus is the Christ and the Messiah. In Luke 24, verses 44 through 47, we have the heart of the Great Commission. And this is what Luke wrote. This is what Jesus said, these are my words which I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures that he had said to them. Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the third day and that the repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my father upon you. But you stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Peter uses... In his first, and, and we all remember the account in Acts, his first sermon. But you realize that the beginning of his first sermon was actually a quotation in Psalms. Psalm sixteen, eight through 11, this is what Peter said. He said, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh is also, will also rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in shield, nor will you allow the Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And then again in verses 34 and 35, Peter uses Psalm 110, verse 1. And he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. We also find that in Hebrews, don't we? But in Hebrews, we hear the fulfillment of what the Old Testament had already declared. Don't lose track of that. It's been said that the Psalms, in the Psalms, one finds the expressed and eager yearning and longing for God's presence. And it contains prayers and songs of joyous trust and praise. And indeed, every emotion known to man is expressed and beautifully inspired in different terms. We can find those things in Psalms. We can find joy expressed. We can find anger expressed. We can find praise, repentance, trust, and even doubt you can find in the Psalms. David, Asap, Moses, they all had those moments of despair and distress, and you can find that in the Psalms. Don't think just because you go through those moments, you're the only one. Have you ever been filled with some emotion which you can't find words for? You cry out to God and you you know, you know this emotion is just boiling in you and you don't know what to say. Trust me, go to the Psalms. You will find God will God will so so reward you, you will find those expressions coming out in terms that will edify you, will honor God, as opposed to what our flesh would like to do. Now This being the case, I would suggest that the Psalms are capable of serving you and me in a couple of different ways. The the book of Psalms can serve us as a hymnal, our own personal hymnal, as we have the Word of God with us. It can assist us as being a prayer book for us. We can can use it as, as a book of evidences to strengthen our faith in Jesus Christ. And we can use it as a training guide for living holy and righteous lives before God. My deepest prayer for this congregation is that as we begin to spend time in the Psalms and we begin to study this book, there's a couple of things that, a couple of goals that we'll accomplish. Bear with me as I as I share them with you. My hope is that we'll become more and more familiar with the Old Testament poetry. And this is this is essential for us in getting more out of the Psalms and important if that we're, we don't misinterpret God's word in his psalms. That we would glean a clearer, a clearer picture of God's character. That we would better understand his love. That we would better understand his mercy towards his creation. That we would understand his deliverance towards the righteous. Unless we forget his wrath and his judgment against the wicked. We would learn more about about Christ and prophecy. Uh, There's at least 20, uh, Nelson Publishing put this out. There's at least 20 Psalms that talk about Christ prophetically that are not found anywhere else in the scriptures. And they're in the Psalms. When you find those, mark them. You will find them from, and I'll give you the first one, Psalms 2, verse 7, all the way to Psalms 118, verse 26. You can go home and find all the in-between. You can also go to Nelson Publishing and and find that, okay? But every time you read a psalm, when you find the prophetic movement there, Christ just coming forth, mark it out. Hold on to it. I'm hoping that uh, you'll consider the examples of the fulfilled prophecies, that you will, uh, you will find arguments that, ir- that are irrefutable for the inspiration of the scriptures and for the claim that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. There are a few reasons why the book of Psalms should be read and studied by every Christian, and hopefully this study will help us to meet these objectives. The original word, Psalm, and I know some of you have... And, and this I understand. For, for the most part, I, I'll, I'll be speaking to the choir. A lot of you know these things. Some of you don't. And so bear with me. If it's, if it's new news, great, write it down. If it's old news, take it in and have it refresh your heart. The word psalm in the Greek is the word psalmos. Better get some water. And the word, and I'm not even going to pronounce the Hebrew word, but it's Z-M-R, so pronounce it any way you want. I didn't have a chance to get to Steve on this one. But the word the word psalm psalmnos or psalm means to pluck. We have musicians here. Those that play the harp or those that play the bass or guitar, sometimes you fingerpick. The word psalm means to pluck. Ironically, David plucked on a harp. Most of the the lyric poems that that are put together are made to be accompanied by a harp or an instrument that you pluck the strings with. We have, um, we have a picture of, of something that, uh, of a harp that David probably used, close. He probably didn't have the Star of David on there yet, but the configuration of the harp is pretty close, you know, to what David probably plucked as he sang to Saul. And, uh, you know, it was probably light because he had, he had to move quickly from the spears that were coming at him when he was especially singing the song to Saul. Uh, we have a picture of a modern-day harp most of you have seen, some of you have played. And then we have a picture of the harps that most of musicians that I know play. These are my harps coming up. See, I play those harps, and I can do that, and, and I, can be, I can play those harps and be a psalmist before God. Now, in, in, the, in the pew area, how many of you have hymnals in there? Those hymnals, and they should be in there, you know, some of them are missing. but those hymnals that we have here at Book of Life, those are psalm books. For some, there, there are sacred songs that we've used on and off to sing a cappella or with a piano. Those are, those, are, those are hymns and spiritual songs that we do here together, corporately, or by yourself if, if you're here in an empty room. In the Book of Psalms, god has put 150 psalms there for us sacred poems sacred lyrics that you and i can use as prayers and as songs before god we have we have psalmists. a psalmist is a composer i had a pastor that He had such a such a concern of of, of of lyrics and music that was written in in today's culture, that he became a, a typical psalmist. And he began, and and the man the man knows God's word like nobody's nobody's business. He lived it. He lived everything that he learned from God's word, and he began to write these psalms, and he put together I don't know hundreds of them, and and it looked like it was coming out of the book of Psalms, which that was his resource, but he wouldn't write a you know. Two verses in a chorus. He would write, you know, 10, 12 verses. Some of the older hymns that we have, that's what they have. They have nine or ten stanzas, you know, and all praise to God. And many of them didn't have any, quote, music behind it. They were done a cappella. But there, David was a psalmist. We have some folks within our, our, our contemporary Christian culture that are psalmists. Some are not. Many are not, but some are. Um, let me give you a little history. Now, before we go there, and if, this is important. In Ephesians five fifteen through 19, and we read part of that already. But another word that, uh, it's called uh, psalm, psalm moody. Say that 10 times hmm? On it, with, with dry mouth. Psalm, psalm moody is a corporate, is a corporate expression in reading, in reading a psalm. A good example of that is, is, is Psalm 136. Chris Tomlin did a did a small a real small version of that song, in, but in this corporate psalmody is we have we have sort of a uh, an S N R we have a statement and we have a response. The, the psalmist is before the before the before the congregation, and he'll he'll give out he'll give out a set of words, and the response from the con- congregation will always be the same. But the timing issue becomes clearer and clearer as he begins to say, I would say like, you know, uh, Jesus comes, you know, to Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And you would respond, Right on, King Jesus. And then I would say something else and you would say, Right on, King Jesus. We do that corporately and that's a psalm moody. I have that exercise available for us before we leave today, okay? Let's get into a little history. What am I doing on time? A little history. In Exodus 15, verses 1 through 15. I'm not going to read those, but we'll get through this. The oldest psalms originate probably from the times of Moses, 1400 B.C. We have three, three, three psalms that we know that were penned by Moses. The one that you find in, in Deuteronomy 15 is, is the Song of Triumph after crossing the Red Sea. In Deuteronomy 32 and 33, you'll find that in, in chapter 32 and in chapter 33, for the most part, the entire chapters are his songs. He has, very, he has maybe five or six verses of commentary and then he gets on to the next song. And this was a song of exhortation to keep, keep the law after entering Canaan. In Psalm 90, this song was a song of meditation, reflection, and prayer. And this one, Moses penned. Now after Moses the writings of the Psalms had its peaks and its valleys. When David came about in 1000 BC, the sacred lyrics attained to its full maturity. The thought for most of us is that David wrote all the Psalms and he didn't. He wrote about 73, 74 of the Psalms. We have uh, Solomon Solomon came in after David, and the era of Psalms was pretty much over. After Solomon wrote his, what, 1,005 Psalms, it became the era of the Proverbs. And he began to concentrate just on writing the Proverbs. Only twice after this did the creation of Psalms rise to any height at all, and only for a short period under Jehoshaphat at 875 B.C., and again with Hezekiah. 725 B.C. So, some of the authors of the psalms. We have David. We have Asaph. If you get a chance in the Chronicles, it speaks of others that wrote the psalms. There were three particular writers or psalmists that, were, that, that ran the title of singers. I thought there was only one when I read the first portion of the Chronicles. But as I read on, later on down the line, about ten chapters later, Chronicles acknowledged two more that also had the same title. Only those two, and those three guys guess what their instruments were? Symbols. Can't figure that one out. But they, 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 they did the crash with the symbols of, I think, copper or brass, one of those. But we have in 1 in Chronicles 16, we have the story of, of, of Asaph. The Ark of God, his, so they brought the Ark of God and they set it into the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected, erected for it. And then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And then he distributed to everyone of Israel, both man and woman, excuse me, a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. And he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark, and to commemorate, to thank and to praise God. Asaph the chief, and next to him Zechariah, then uh, Jael, and then a few other folks that I'm not going to mention. And they came with their string, with their stringed instruments and their harps. But Asaph made music with cymbals. Benaniah and Jes- Jeshiel The priests regularly blew the trumpets before the Ark of the Covenant of God. On that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. Asaph wrote 12 psalms. The sons of Korah in 1 Chronicles 26. You'll find, uh, find them all listed and, and what they wrote. We have, uh, I'm not going to go through that. In Solomon's time, at least two psalms were attributed. It's funny. Solomon, the wisest man on the planet, he wrote 1,005 psalms, and God says only two of those make an entry into the book. Go figure, huh? So he makes it in there. Moses. Moses has, has one psalm attributed to him, and that's psalm, psalm 90. Haman was a contemporary of, Damon, of uh, David and Asaph. In 1 Chronicles 6.33, you'll, you can read, said, uh, and these are the ones who ministered with their sons, the sons of the Korahites, were Haman the singer, and the son of Joel, and the son of Samuel. And he wrote, one psalm and that was Psalm 98 or Psalm 88, forgive me. Ethan was another companion. Asaph, Haman and Ethan were the three that were entitled to singers. Haman wrote Psalm 88, Ethan wrote Psalm 89 and then we have 48 psalms that are anonymous. Now there are arrangements in the book of Psalms. Bear with me, guys. The books are broken down into five, five books. The first book, uh, Psalms, uh, Psalms, four, uh, Psalms 1 to Psalm 41. The second book, 42 to 72. Uh, third, 73 to 89. The fourth book is 90 to 106. And the third is 107 to 150. The only thing I wanna share with you on this is as you read these psalms, you'll, the, opening, the opening psalm will always be a praise to God. And if you pay close attention, when you get to the end of that book, there will always be a doxology. If you've never seen that before, this is really cool. At the end of every section, every book, there is a doxology. They say it goes back to, to uh, the... the the Jewish or Kaddish type of ceremonies, that every time they went to a new section in the worship, they would have a doxology before beginning the next. Just a little tidbit there. We have some some psalms that are alphabetic and some that are acrostic. Are acrostic. And the one that the one that comes to mind is is Psalm 119. Just a little just a little something on 119. The Psalmist took took Psalm 119 and went through the Jewish alphabet, from Aleph all the way to the end. The, the real neat thing about it is that every single psalm, about eight verses, every single line begins with that particular letter of the alphabet. For, the, for those that like to write and do poems, take that crazy thing and try to write a psalm that way. Aleph, every single verse started with the Aleph. Beth. Everything started with Beth, all the way down to the last alphabet. That's how, and, and this is how, how, they, how their rhythm went. How poetic they were in, 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 in writing these psalms. Only God could inspire something like that. Haven't seen it anywhere else. We have psalms that are ethical psalms, Psalm 15. We have Hallelujah Psalms, Psalm 103. We had a great, we had a great uh, example today with, with uh, which sold out, in two of their songs, breaking loose with the hallelujahs. You'll find different, different songs, different psalms in there, all breaking loose with the hallelujahs, and they, and they call them hallelujah psalms. There are historical psalms. There are imprecatory psalms. The word just means to invoke. You've seen those. You've gone to them. Lord, Lord, David was talking. Take my enemies, you know, and cut their heads off, you know, and put their arms behind their back, you know, make them walk on their lips, Whatever. Those are those kind of psalms that you'll find in there. David would show his anger many times towards his enemies. We have uh, songs that, that, that cause you to express your sorrow because of your sin. Not somebody else's, but yours. We have songs of ascent or songs of degree. There are psalms there of suffering, Psalm 02, Psalm 102. I can assure you these psalms are there for you and me. I had a, even, even as, as early as last night, I went to this psalm. I read it, and then I went to it audibly for comfort. We have psalms of thanksgiving. We have various styles of uh, other styles of psalms. We have liturgical. Liturgical goes back to, to the psalm Psalmody and where we do something corporately, and we'll do that. Now, there, there, are, there are a couple of questions I want to put before you, and, and we, are, we are at the end. Question number one, according to that first, that first verse of Scripture that we read in Romans, uh, why was the Old Testament written? Do the answers come? I can't remember. For our learning, and that through, through this, the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, we would have hope. Second question, according to 1 Corinthians ten eleven. Why were the events of the Old Testament times recorded? For our admonition, for our warnings, our examples. I did mention all these. We were going through this. Uh, third one, uh, Paul reminded Timothy of, of what value were the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, that he had learned as a child. He said that they were able to make him wise regarding salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to skip over to six, no, four. In, in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, Paul said that, this, that the Old Testament scriptures were profitable for us. Remember the four things that we mentioned? We mentioned what? Doctrine, which means what? the teaching and divine instructions, right? We, it was good for reproof, which meant? Correct. That's right. We had uh, correction, correcting a bad attitude, a bad belief, right? And then we had instruction and in righteousness, all these things in order to make the man the man of God complete, equipped for every good work, so that you and I would be able to, to deal with our, our, our ministries before God in a holy and righteous way? Now, remember what the Psalms are capable of serving the Christian as? What was the first one? Our personal what? Our personal hymn, hymnal. The second one was? Prayer. Our personal prayer book. The third one? There we go. Strengthen our faith. And a fourth? That's right, for a training guide for us. Now, the aim of the study here, to become familiar with the Old Testament poetry, to develop an appreciation for the working knowledge of the Psalms, to glean a, a clearer picture of God's character, to learn more of Christ in prophecy and to consider the examples of fulfilled prophecy. Cool? Now, before we leave, everybody, Grab a Bible, your own or one that's in the pew. And would somebody please hand me one and go to Psalm 136? Do you have an extra one there, bro? Let's stand before God's Word. I will give the first part of the verse, and your response will be, and it remains the same, and it's powerful. I'll give you the example. I will say, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. You really believe that? Okay, let's keep going. Give thanks to the God of God's give thanks to the Lord of hosts to him who alone does great things who by his understanding made the heavens who spread out the earth upon the waters I'm becoming convinced guys who made the great heights the sun to govern the day The moon and the stars to govern the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel out from among them. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. And brought Israel through the midst of it but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led the people through the desert, who struck down great kings, and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave this land as an inheritance, I'm losing you guys. An inheritance to a servant Israel. Love is forever. And to the one who remembered us in our lowest state. And freed us from our enemies. Love forever. And who gives food to every creature. Love forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Love forever. Now, if God wanted you to know anything today about who he is. And how faithful he is. What is it? His love endures forever. Thank you. Now, we are told to give the whole word and not just a portion of it. For those of you that know Christ, God bless you. I'm hoping that that His word continues to grow strong and you know that you're heaven bound. But the other side of the coin is because His word speaks of it. There are those that don't know Christ. Today, the word says that if you heard his word, don't harden your heart. For whatever reason you're straddling the fence, for whatever reason you've, you've kept from coming to Christ to know Him as Savior, today's your day. This I know to be true, that you're not called or you're not here and you don't have the inkling to choose something you don't believe until God calls you. I'm sorry, not my words, they're His. I feel for you because I've been there before. But if God is calling you, don't hesitate. Answer his call. Plead with him. I'm telling you, if you don't know him, you should be shaking in your boots. <laughs> Plead with him to take your sins away. Believe who Christ is, that he paid for your sins, that he died on the cross, that he resurrected so that you too would have a resurre- resurrected life with him. We have those involved in our, in our prayer ministry that would love to introduce you to the Savior this morning. Please, do that for your own sake because of Christ and what Christ has done for you to this day. Okay? Would you uh, do me a favor and bow your heads close your eyes? Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you love us. My prayer is that those that are here that know you, that they would, they would develop such a hunger for your word. And that they would stay they would stay steady in the discipline that you bring before them lord and that they would remember that you are stretching them and for those that don't know you i pray this day that they would bend the knee and that they would confess with their tongues and believe in their hearts that jesus christ is lord and that he is our messiah i thank you in christ's name